Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Lunchtime Learnings. I'm delighted to be joined today by Kirsty Franks. Kirsty is a freelance marketing director. So Kirsty, thank you very much for giving up your time um, to have a chat today. How are you? I'm good, Stephen. Thank you for having me. I've been excited about having this chat for a while. We've tried to get here a couple of times, haven't we? have and it hasn't quite worked but hopefully today it will so thank you very much for joining me um so how did you get into marketing uh well we'll start at the beginning so uh, i've been in marketing around 20 plus years i know i don't look old enough um and i um have worked in a whole range of different sectors and quite purposefully in, in the, the start of my career i didn't want to pigeonhole myself to one sector so I started in financial services, worked in retail, worked in charity, um, worked in uh, property most recently and done quite a bit in sport as well. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of grown my career from right at the bottom of the ladder to going through to marketing manager, head of marketing, marketing director. Um, and yeah, so I guess the last few years really have been really dedicated to, to property marketing. Um, I was group marketing director at Lomon Group, which was a fabulous, fabulous job. And then from there, took the, the leap into being self-employed. So it's always been a dream of mine to be able to, to run my own business. But I'm sure like anybody else who takes that leap in the first, sta first stage, you get a bit of imposter syndrome and, oh, my gosh, can I do this on my own? Is this the right thing? How am I going to pay the mortgage if this all goes wrong? Um, but I set up on my own about 18 months ago um, and the plan really was for me to go freelance and offer freelance marketing director support to, to various different, different businesses, predominantly in the property sector. Um, and it's just it's been, been an amazing start to the business. It's, it's gone really well um, and picked up a, you know, quite a number of clients and now I've got a team of people that, that work with me um, and next month I'm kind of taking the jump from being freelance to launching a, a marketing agency, which is solely focused on the, on the property sector. Hot off the press, Stephen. Next month we launch the agency. You heard it here first. Exclusive. <laughs> Thank you. That's really exciting. And I wish you um, massive success with that. Um, can I just break down everything you've done briefly? Because this is all about um, giving people learnings and what you've mm -hmm. learned throughout career um, and I just want to start at the beginning and working yourself up to um, where you are today which is a uh, phenomenal and you've done really really well and you should be incredibly proud of um, what you've achieved and it is super exciting what you're going to do so FS retail charity property sports lessons in all of those so lessons when you started how did you get that hunger and desire that you wanted to run your own marketing business where did that come from um i mean i've always been incredibly ambitious but when i was younger so my family is in the entertainment industry and i was adamant that i was going to be a singer and an actress and i was gonna my name was going to be in lights and that was the plan didn't quite pan out evidently i'm in marketing now um, but I've always been really ambitious and I've always known that I wanted to do something creative. 
And when I first started out in marketing, um, just as a marketing assistant in a, in a financial services company in York, I had no qualifications whatsoever at this point. I just thought, well, I don't want to do accounts or, or anything that is going to bore me. <laughs> no offense to any of the accountants out there, but it wasn't for me. Um, and the difference that I made to make sure I could get up that ladder was making sure that I was the hardest working person in the room. If there was a job to be done, I'd put my hand up. I'd want to do it. And I grafted and I worked hard. And then I went to night school and I got all of my qualifications. And yeah, I just worked really hard and grasped every single opportunity that came my way. Um, and I, I was ambitious and I wanted to get up that career ladder as, as quickly as possible. Um, but not at the not by standing on people, just by being the hardest working person that I could could possibly be. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but one of the things that runs through my career is, yes, you can work hard. Yes, you can climb the ladder. Yes, you can be ambitious and, and you know, get to running your own business if that's what your ambitious, if that's what your ambition is. But do it with kindness and treat people right and, you know, look after the people that you work with and be nice to the people that are around you. Um, I think being a, a woman in business can sometimes be hard in a man's world. And as we know, in, in property, it, it, it can be a, a man's world. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have to be bullish. Um, I, I feel that you can be successful by being kind and being decent and being genuine to the people around you as well. Um, and it's a big strand of my business. It's something that I talk about a lot about, um, yeah, let's be good. Let's do the best job that we can. Let's stand out from the crowd. Let's grow businesses and be ambitious, but let's be kind while we do it. Okay. I love the kindness, you know, being, being kind is absolutely massive. And, um, and then ultimately, you know, I know people be kind not to get it paid back, but ultimately it does get paid back um, by your kindness. So where did that kindness come from as well? Um, probably my upbringing from from my parents. I think, you know, my mum taught me if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, and I, you know, I listened to I listened to a lot of podcasts around um, kindness in business. I don't know whether you've ever listened to the, the Mary Porter's The Kindness Economy. She talks a lot about her growth in, in her business and how kindness is at the root of everything that she does. And it just it resonates with me so much. And, um, it, it, you know, it was one of the things when I started my own business that I had to make sure underpins it. And actually, that means that sometimes I'm picky with the clients that I work with as well. I think that's the benefit of, of having your own business. You don't have to work with the people that you don't want to work with. And, you know, I have walked away from jobs where I just think, actually, this isn't quite sitting with my values anymore. Um, you know, I want to do a really good job for the for the customers that I work with. And I take it really personally about the work that I do and about growing businesses. And if I'm working with the client, we're in this together. But if it doesn't align with my values, then, I, you know, I've got the, the beauty of being able to say this just isn't for me right now. That's great. Great. And actually, that's quite a hard trait because I know there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and watching this that are estate agents that actually think all business is good business and actually an instruction to liability until it's sold. 
So are you taking on the right business? And it's no different whether you're marketing, whether you're in property, yeah. whether you're a great agency. Um, that's a big question. And actually, with the way the market is at the moment, should you be letting people take properties on the second time round um, as well? Considering, you know, people are, agents are still overpricing. Agents mm -hmm. are still um, doing it for an incredibly low fee. Well, let them have it. But educate educate your seller that shouldn't be giving them longer than four weeks there. Yeah. Put your energy into the right things. 100%. 100%. So you mentioned something there about standing out. Okay. And we've just gone on to it. Um, it's really competitive, whatever mm -hmm. business you're in. But, you know, the property estate agency, you know, so I think you're based in Wakefield. And I know in yeah. Wakefield there, there's a number of estate agents there. You know, how can you stand out and be different from a marketing perspective compared to your competitors? Um, purple cow. So Seth Godden, you know, the one about the purple cow, about standing out. You know, yeah. How can you be the purple cow of a state agency? Have you got any tips on that? Um, I mean, I think I'd start with working on an exercise to really hone what your proposition is and what your agency is all about. So yeah, listen, we're selling and letting businesses and doing property management and the proposition is the proposition, right? But your business is still unique. What is it that makes you stand out? Is it your people? Is it your processes? Is it how you communicate? Is it, you know, the values? What is it? Is it is it kind of a mixture of your product mix and then how you execute that and your customer service? I'd say be really clear on that um, and make sure that you write it down. What is it about your business? What are the key messages? What are the USPs? And um, I see a lot of agencies just run straight into marketing without being really clear on who they are and what their messaging is. So I'd say first tip, be really clear on who you are and what you want to say. Um, I think secondly, I'd say who who are you talking to? Who are your customers? Where are they and what are they interested in? So I think as estate agents, we run the risk quite a lot of talking about ourselves and looking inward and going, we're this, we're that, we do this, we're great, we're the top, which is great, you know, share those key messages. But actually, what, what are the pain points of your landlords? What do they want you to talk about? What do your buyers want, want to hear? What do they want to talk about? So I'd say in throughout your marketing, make sure you're talking to your customer about their problems rather than just shouting from the rooftops about yourselves. Um, and I think that one of the things that is absolutely key to standing out in the market is being real and authentic. So there's lots of corporate marketing out there where you just kind of churn out the same 2020 letter and stick your logo on it. But what can you do across your marketing to bring your people to life? Because people buy people. So the, the number one thing that's going to make your estate agency stand out amongst the others is the people that you've got working for you. So yes, you know, you're going to go out for evaluation and the customer is going to meet your your value or whoever it is that goes out at that point, but how do you bring them to life before you get into somebody's property? So you can do that through canvassing. You can do that through your social media. You can do that through email marketing. You can do that through PR, but make it real, make it authentic. You know, we don't have to spend thousands of pounds on shiny corporate videos to bring people to life. 
little cam showing somebody around a property or doing a little video about what's going on in the local market and an exciting new property that's come for sale, I'd say make your people shine. And that definitely differentiates you because nobody else has got your people. If you've got good people, you want to shout about them. I love that. Make your people shine. Great, great quote. So say I've got somebody who's really shy and really doesn't want to go on camera. Um, how do you get that person out of their comfort zone um, to want to do it? Um, because I agree, you know, this is a people business and people buy from people that they like and they trust. But there's a lot of people that have this fear that going on video is incredibly scary and daunting and they just don't want to do it. Yeah, and it is. And, you know, not everybody wants to be, you know, naming lights. <laughs> not everybody wants to be the person that's in front of the camera, but you can start small. So, so you might be doing your 2020 letters down the street because you've sold a property. Whoever is your negotiator there, put their name on it. Who's the person that you want to, you want those customers to contact? So rather than it just being a really generic marketing flyer, put a picture and a name and an email address and a phone number of the person that you want. And then, you know, their customer's going to ring and go, you know, hi, Sarah, whatever. I've seen your flyer. Can we talk about, can we talk about my property? So, you know, it doesn't have to just be video. There can be um, blogs that that person can write and put their name to it and start small. So, yeah, get your name out there in terms of the canvassing. Maybe start doing some blogs with that person and then build up, you know, build up to getting to the point where you've got some pictures on social media, pictures on the website. And I think it's a confidence thing. So I think if, you know, if, if you've got somebody that's kind of shy and doesn't want to be in front of the camera, but you start putting their name out there and they realize they're getting those leads in, that's going to build their confidence to do more and more. But I agree, just chucking a camera in somebody's face when they're a little bit nervous is a bit daunting to start with. So I say build them up. And if you ask one of your team to do something that they're not comfortable doing, that's not going to come across as authentic and genuine. They're just going to come across like they're shitting themselves. So I think definitely start slowly. So one of the things that I've seen actually um, came over from Australia, which on the board was um, sold by Kirsty, let by Kirsty. Yeah. Um, yeah. viewings with Kirsty and you know, the face was on the board and I thought you know what that's really easy it's getting people to see what's going on it's showing that there's that they've su succeeded in selling or letting that property yeah. as well which which is a good thing and it gets your um, brand out there um, so talking about brand do you think personal brands more important now than the business brand <sighs> Um, more important or equally important? So obviously, you know, I'm a big advocate of brand and brand is not a logo. Brand is not a colour and, and what your boards look like. Brand is who you are, what you stand for, what your values are, what your customer journey is, what your customer experience is, documenting that, doing it consistently again and again and again and being really clear on who you are and guarding that with your life. So every customer that comes through your door or has any interaction with you gets that same experience. So, you know, I, I think we, we focus on, we need a great logo. Well, yeah, okay, we need a great logo, but actually what we need is a great experience and that to be consistent. Um, but yeah, personal brand. I mean, it's everything that we've just talked about, isn't it? People by people. So you need a solid 
brand for the business and a solid experience for your customers, but it's that person that's going through the door. And the more that you can build that brand and the more that people start to trust that individual person and get your name out there, the more the inquiries are going to come through the door. It, you know, it's a exceptional lead generation tool to have somebody who's willing to put their head above the parapet and go out there and get into the community and go out there on social media you know we can talk about portals and ppc and lead generation all day long and it's you know a, a dark art in some ways but word of mouth and testimonials and being out there in your local market is going to be the best thing to get those leads through the door okay so you mentioned my favorite c word there which is consistency how do you consistently get that message out the whole time? Because it's very easy to start and stop. It's very easy where, do you know what, you've had a really good month, two months, three months, and you think, wow, this is so easy. I just don't need to do anything again. And then you just totally stop. Yep. How do you be consistent every day of the year? Um, I mean, yeah. So how often do we see marketing slip down the list when A, we're all really busy and, oh, my God, I've not quite managed to get to the marketing jobs at the minute. Or B, like you said, we're flying. We don't need marketing. And the biggest thing I shout about with all of my clients is consistency. So um, planning. It absolutely comes down to planning. So um, have a marketing plan. Have a content calendar know what you're going to say three six months in advance across your website across blogs across social media across email marketing get it literally down in a spreadsheet of what you're going to do so i create content calendars for my for my clients and we sit down and we have marketing meetings every month and we go right let's talk about the next three months what's happening in the market what do we need to be talking about? What do we want to be pushing and selling at the minute? What client testimonials can we use? What people can we shine a spotlight on? And we fill in a content calendar and go, right, how's that going to work across each of the marketing channels? And then you need a marketing team that continually monitor that plan and execute it. If it's not written down in a plan and you're not planned kind of a few months in advance, it is going to slip. So I'd say you 100% need all of this written down, documented in a plan, but then you need a team to deliver it. And I think this is where the, the challenge comes. You need good people within your team to be able to deliver your marketing, whether that's an in-house team or an external agency, um, and then hold them accountable to the plan. So, you know, as, a, as an MD of, of a business or, the, or a management team of the business, I'd be wanting to sign off on whatever the marketing plan is and then just checking in every week or every month to make sure that your marketing team are delivering on that. But it's it's we're all too busy. We're all too busy in a state agency to sit and have reactive marketing where we think, oh, crikey, best get something on socials today. Oh, crikey, we best pull an email newsletter together. It just won't happen. It will fall down the priority list. So, you know, as boring as it sounds in the spreadsheets, if there isn't a plan in place, it will slip. And that's how we'll we get, get the consistency. We'll get schedule gets done. So, yeah. and again, um, you know, I mean, I talk about at the start of the year, look at all the big events that you've got. So Valentine's Day, yeah. Easter, um, Halloween, um, Christmas, Christmas, New Year, you know, spring. What, you know, 
what are you going to be doing at all of those and what are you going to do to do it? Yeah. And I think now marketing is even more important to maybe start marketing not only your own business, but helping with marketing of your local businesses in your area yeah. that may be really struggling with cost of living and stuff. Any yeah. any tips on that as to helping your local community and getting your message out through other businesses, but being yeah. kind to them? Yeah, definitely. So I think when you're planning your messaging, I, I totally agree with what you're saying about times throughout the year. So for me, that comes down to campaign planning. What are your campaigns going to be at different points of the year? And then how does that filter through each of your marketing activities? Um, I would say that 60% of your messages that you put out there should be about you and the services you offer and how you support your customers. The rest of it should be about your local market because nobody wants to read on socials all the time, sell, 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 sell. They want to see that you're part of the community. They want to see that you're linked to local businesses. So get your team out to the local coffee shops and the local restaurants and the local businesses and start building relationships. Um, see if you can run competitions where you can help each other out. See if you can do dip, uh, agreements where you can promote each other. Go to local events, go to the local fate, be present in the community so you start to see yourself, uh, you, so people start to see you in that community. And I think there should definitely be a big push on charitable um, efforts as well. You know, what can you do in your local community to support charities and, and really um, in, ingra ingrain yourself in that in that community and it's not for a tick in the box it's not for a csr policy it's because you care and you want to be part of that community and if you are then that's that's how you would get involved 100 percent. so one of the first thing that goes when times go hard is either marketing or training okay why should people keep and maybe up their marketing spend when things become more challenging well, I mean, essentially, marketing is about lead generation, isn't it? Brand building and lead generation. So, I mean, it blows my mind that in tough times, it's one of the first things to go, because for me, it's one of the things that you need to invest more in. Um, we'll start with the consistency again. If you start pulling back on your marketing and all of a sudden you're not posting as much on social media, your customers are not seeing your adverts, you're not being uh, present at events, you're not doing... Um, email marketing, whatever it is, it starts to raise red flags in the minds of your customers, maybe even subconsciously, but it's, okay, why is this agency suddenly not doing what they were, what they were doing before? Is there an issue there? Is there something going wrong? And that really dents the trust that you've built from your really good continuous marketing. So I would say, you know, that, that ensuring that those messages are out there every single day, every single week builds trust. Um, you don't know when your customers are looking to buy or sell a property or have a, a, port, a landlord portfolio, whatever it might be. And if you stop, you're going to miss opportunities when they arise by ha not having your, your messaging out there. Um, so I think, you know, consistency is, is absolutely key in times of volatility and in times of pressure. It's no more so important. So. Um, I would also say that you need to maximize every penny that you're spending to make sure you're getting the return on investment. So look at your portals. What package have you got as part of your of your portal spend? So I see so many agencies 
that have got various different packages with Rightmove, Zoopla, whatever that might be, and they're not utilizing them. So you're not changing your banner ads. You're not using the lead generation tools that are part of your package. Or you might be paying an agency to do PPC advertising for you, but you're not sure whether you're actually getting a return on investment. If you don't know, I'd say it's the wrong agency that you're using because you should absolutely categorically be able to see a return on investment. So, you know, the, the basics of, of your emails and your socials and your PR that you're putting out there all the time, that doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It's just time and effort. Make sure you do that consistently. And the things that are the big spend, which is your kind of your PPC spend, your Facebook advertising, your kind of prop tech, whatever you're using for, for lead generation, be all over it like a rash. Utilize every aspect of it that you've got and make sure that you're looking at the data and that you're getting the best return on investment for it. Um, but I would just urge anybody that in times of crisis or in times of when it's tough and in times where you're thinking, oh, crikey, maybe we need to cut marketing spend now and put as much focus on it as, as you can, because that's the time when you really need it. 100%. Um, I want to come back to when you talked about the customer journey, mm -hmm. OK, because there's many journeys, whether it's for a, a seller, a buyer, a landlord, a tenant. Um, again, what's the best way if I'm starting off to look at those journeys? Where do I start? Live it and breathe it, start. So how many times have we, uh, running our own business thought, gone through that customer journey? So, you know, it's almost like mystery shopping. So what are the different touch points that a customer comes to you? So they go onto the website. Okay, we'll go onto the website, onto your website as if you're a customer. Call the branch as if you're a customer. Go on and do an online valuation on the website. Go and book a valuation um, through through the website or by calling calling up. So I'd, I'd, I'd sit down with your team, get everybody to act like the customer and go through that journey themselves and then come together and say, what worked, what didn't, and how do we actually want this to, to work for our customers? What experience do we want to give them? So it's literally stripping it right back to, okay, what are all the different ways that a customer is going to contact us? Either by the phone, via email, on the website, in person, what marketing materials are we giving them and brochures, and literally document it, a checklist of what happens at each point of this customer interaction. And the reason that you want to document it is you talked about training. So you've got to have a customer journey that is all agreed. This is us. This is our business. This is how we treat our customers. This is the customer experience that we give. Well, it's all well and good for me as a business owner going, I'm really clear on what that customer journey is and what that customer experience is. But you've got to train that into your team again and again and again and again. So it becomes second nature to them because your customer journey and your customer experience is only good if every single member of your team is delivering that same experience. So document it, train it, mystery shop it, train it again and keep coming back to it. It shouldn't be um, something that's created up front at the start of, a, of building an agency or a, a start of a growth plan, whatever, whatever reason has, has made you put together a customer journey and then just sit in a cupboard getting dusty for the next two years. It's got to be a living, breathing thing that actually you put a lot of time and effort into guarding and, and making sure that it's delivered consistently. I'm sounding like a broken record, aren't I? But, um, you know, it's it, for me that that customer experience, get that right. 
And that's where your referrals come from. That's where your loyalty comes from. That's where your repeat business comes from. Okay. How often should you be reviewing that? Uh, I mean, I think if you've got kind of your operations team out in the field working with your, your team on the ground, they should be looking at that monthly and scoring it. Okay. So one of the things that I've come across, and I don't know whether you've come across it, is called OGAP. So looking at all your customer journeys, is it outstanding? Is it good? Is it average? And is it poor? Yeah. And then, right, so where do you think we are? And what do we need to do? Because hopefully we all want to be outstanding. Yeah. And, you know, we want to give that outstanding journey and touch points where people, as you spot on, it's all about, you know, one, getting that client for life, but also them recommending and referring to us because they've had the most incredible experience. Mm. And actually... They may have an incredible experience, but may not buy or let through us or sell through us. Mm. But ultimately, they could still end up recommending us mm. because we've done things that our competitors haven't done as well. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back, um, setting up your own business um, and the challenges of that. What did you learn from setting up your own business and the challenges? And you talked about imposter syndrome as well. Um, how managed to overcome that because you know from an outsider looking in you've done brilliantly and you should be incredibly proud of yourself thank you how do you overcome imposter syndrome I don't think I have <laughs> um, I'm not sure I ever will and actually I'm not sure I ever want to because it's probably the thing that keeps me driving as hard as I do to do better um, so, yeah, I think the first kind of three or four months that I um, that I set up on my own, I probably didn't sleep very much thinking, oh, my gosh, what if it all goes tomorrow? What if it all goes down the pan? What do I do? Um, and I think my plan was, right, I'm going to do six months. And if this doesn't work out, I'll go and get another proper job. Um, and but I just made sure that I worked my socks off. And like I said before, I really, really care about every client that I work with and want, you know, their success is my success. You know, I'm, I've, I've started out as a freelancer, which is a risky, you know, a risky place to get into. So if I'm not doing a good job, then I go. That's, you know, that's the, that's the risk of being a freelancer. Um, and I'm just grateful for the, for the clients that I've, that I've got and that I've worked with and that, you know they're happy so so the business is is going really well um, it's a huge learning curve you know i do marketing i'm creative i'm all about you know branding and storytelling and copywriting and campaigns and you know lead generation that's what i do i'm not about tax and vat and spreadsheets for my accountant and setting up things in company's house you know that wasn't my area of expertise at all but actually uh, you know i really enjoyed the process of learning how to, to set up a business and wearing different hats. And actually, I think one of the most interesting things is having to market myself, which you would think would come easily and is probably one of the hardest parts of me running my own business. Um, I am not very good at talking about my USPs. I'm very good at talking about everybody else's. Um, but I find it really difficult to, to sell myself and, and to talk about why choose me. So I guess I, I guess I've been successful on the back of just going in and doing, you know, doing what I say I'm going to do and working really hard to do a good job. 
um, I would say um, I'm very genuine and very down to earth and my clients hopefully would would say, yeah, she just comes in and rolls her sleeves up and gets the job done. Um, so I guess the next stage for me, it's kind of all being me and all being on, on my shoulders and now having a team of people and going into this agency um, model for me is kind of the next stage of the learning curve for me. Um, and I'm, I'm nervous and excited about it in equal measures. Um, you know, having a team of people that, that, are, that are there and I'm responsible for is overwhelming at times. Um, but again, I know that I'll only surround myself with people who are going to really graft, but are also going to be really decent people to work with as well. So, yeah, I don't know, Stephen, whether I can give you all the advice on how to set up a business because we're just winging it over here. <laughs> but it's um, so far so good. And, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying the ride and it's um, it's a it's a crazy ride. Um, but I'm, I'm proud of how, how much we've achieved in, in the last 18 months. Brilliant. Look, a couple of other questions, if that's OK with you, because I know time is very precious and I'm very grateful for your time. Um, you mentioned storytelling. Mm -hmm. So what to you does storytelling mean and why is it important to, to tell stories? Uh, storytelling is definitely why I got into marketing. Um, I, I, you know, I told you that I come from a kind of entertainment background and I did a lot of acting and uh, as a as a child and teenager. And that's all about storytelling, isn't it? And for me, I love the art of being able to take somebody through a journey by telling them by telling them a story. I love words. I love reading. I love books. It's my thing. Um, and I think that if you get good at storytelling you can really engage your audience so you know you can talk to your customers all day long about we do x y and z and we're great blah 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 but what's what's the story that they want to hear what's the story that they want to hear about how you're going to look after them and how you're going to get them their dream property and how that's going to make a difference to their lives paint a picture tell them a story don't just sell them a product um, so I think everything that I do in terms of the comms that I create, so, you know, whether that be brochures, whether that be PR, whether that whatever marketing materials my, my team and I deliver, we're exceptional at storytelling. Um, and so that comes from building really good campaigns with um, hooks that make sense to, to customers, um, to, to marketing materials that really stand out. And they stand out because we are all about making sure we tell a story that resonates. Um, so I think it's not, you know, it's not an easy art. It's not something that, that everybody can do. It's different parts of your brain, isn't it, that, that work and, you know, whether you're creative or analytical or however that works. But I would advise anybody that when, when you're looking for somebody to support you with your marketing, talk to them about storytelling and tell that marketing person the story of your business so they can go and execute that on your behalf in a really positive way. Brilliant. Thank you. So you mentioned podcasts and you mentioned books and I know you mentioned um, Mary Portis mm -hmm. uh, and her podcast. Any others that you recommend people to listen to? Uh, well, obviously, I'm, I'm all about your podcast, Stephen. It's my top priority. Um, listen, I I read a lot of fiction books. 
Um, and I've got a stack over here somewhere of, of business books on my desk. And I'll, you know, I'll read snippets, but it's not the thing. It's not the way that I learn. So the way that I learn is definitely through podcasts. And I, I always have a coach working with me. And I learn through kind of that hands-on problem-solving work. Um, when I'm when I'm out walking the dog every morning, I want to listen to podcasts that take me away from work a little bit and clear my head. I spend so much time at my desk that I need some kind of downtime from it as well. Um, I'm big into Jay Shetty at the minute and loving loving his podcasts. Um, I'm, I think Diary of a CEO. Also, I've listened to probably every every episode and, and take so much from it. I would say whatever um, your area of focus is within your within your business, make sure that you research podcasts on what you do. So I listen to lots of marketing podcasts when when I'm out and about. But I I always go and search for a specific topic or a specific thing that I want to listen to because I just think you can get so much now, so much content from podcasts, and my brain works in a way that I need that kind of that kind of learning rather than business books. Fair enough. Thank you. So how do people get hold of you, Kirsty? Uh, you can visit my website, which is kirstyfranksmarketing.com. Um, or you can email me at kirsty at kirstyfranksmarketing.com. Um, and yeah, we'll be launching uh, the new business next month, which is called Frank Marketing. Um, so I'll share all that on LinkedIn as soon as that happens. But exciting times. Brilliant. Well, look, really grateful for your time. Thank you. I wish you massive success. Thank you. But I know you're going to be really successful anyway. So um, thank you and good luck. Thanks, Stephen. You're welcome.